Hey, it's summertime, okay? Summertime out there. And during the summer, we do traveling. Frequently, we go on vacation. Let's just say that word together, vacation. Let's say it one more time, vacation. You know what's funny is everybody smiles when you say that word. Nobody's like, I'm going on vacation. You just, I don't think you can say vacation and not smile. For those of you that maybe don't know what a vacation is, Webster defines it as a time of respite from something, an intermission. It is a scheduled period during which activity is suspended. I like this one, a period of exemption from work. I don't have to work. I'm exempt from it for this period of time. I'm on vacation. It just feels good to say that. A time of vacating, suspending our activity. It's something we need to refresh and to relax ourselves. You know, when we get stressed, what do we say? We say, ah, I need a vacation. That's what we say. Because there's something about it that just sort of rejuvenates us. And in my opinion, there are few vacations better than the great American road trip. Okay? You clean out the van because it's filthy and you clean it out and then you, you get uh, you go to the grocery store and you get like two grocery bags full of all those foods you don't normally buy because either your conscience or your spouse's conscience will not permit you to get those sorts of things like cheese puffs or for us we get a, an entire pound of red vines and we just put the hurt on those things in the car and we're always like we're not going to eat this until noon I mean, it's seven o'clock i mean it is out and we're having red vines for breakfast and that's okay because it's vacation, right? And it feels good. And every vacation needs a good road trip to go along with the snacks and the songs. And so for us, we'll put some songs on, you know, one of the iDevices and then we'll play them. And so here we're going to, we got a few here from the Williams uh, playlist. And I, I asked on Facebook about a week ago, what is the song that says road trip to you? We got a few in here. All right, let's, let's start out. You're in the car it is the driveway you're pulling out, and you're like, let's turn it up loud and proud because we're going. Here we go. Let's, let's start with this one right here. Ooh, the wheel in the sky keeps on yeah. Turning, yeah. Woo. Let's go. Pedal to the metal. Let's get there. Wheel in the sky right. keeps on let's see. Now, this, this is a little bit of self-disclosure. My own personal road trip playlist requires copious amounts of Jimmy Buffett. It was hard to find one I could play in church. I'm just, we're just going to be real honest with each other, but here we go. Changes in latitude, changes in attitude. This is true. You go south and you start to feel a little bit better. Don't you? All right, let's see. We got some more in here. All right, country folks. Yeah. Are we gonna do what they say okay. can be done? Good. We've got a long way to yeah. go. And All a right. short time to get there. I'm East Country. I'm this one. Alright. Last one. This is the quintessential road trip song right here. On the road again, 
Yeah. Just can't wait to get on yep. the road again. There it is. My nice. love is making okay. music with my friends. That's that's it. There you go. Those, those are the songs that you need. Now, notice as we were playing those, everybody was smiling. There, there wasn't anybody out there going, I don't like road trip songs. <laughs> we all kind of like them. And, and there's something about songs that have the capacity to transport you to someplace else. So you listen to Jimmy Buffett, changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes, and you're thinking the beach. That's, that's just where your mind is going to be. You're transported from one place to another through music. Now, I will tell you, I think that as Americans, we can be proud to say we have perfected the road trip. There is no other country that has perfected the road trip the way that we have. But we did not invent the vacation. It's been around for a long time. Now, we're all familiar with the biblical principle of Sabbath. God said to his people, he said, hey, listen, work hard six days, but take a break the seventh. Okay, just take a break and call it quits and don't do anything. Take a break. Take a break. But what you may not be aware of is that God also commanded his people to take a vacation. God commanded his people to actually take a road trip about three times a year. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16 says this right here. God says three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. We know that ends up becoming Jerusalem at the festival of unleavened bread and at the festival of the weeks. Now, some folks stayed in Jerusalem for both of those together because they were pretty close. And then also to show up for the festival of the booths. They shall appear before the Lord. Uh, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. All shall give as they are able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that He has given you. And so the Israelite folks would pack up two to three times a year, and they would all take a road trip from where they lived to Jerusalem. They would get the snacks. They'd get the cooler. They'd load up the donkey. And they would head on up the road, because Jerusalem's a mountain. They would head up the road to Jerusalem. And when they went, they too had songs. Now, let's be clear. They did not have iPods. They did not have CD players. Cassettes, eight tracks were not invented. So they sang. They would get together their family, extended family, friends, relatives, cousins, neighbors, people they weren't sure how they related or knew them, but they knew they were all going and so we might as well travel together. They would form a caravan, and they would start to sing songs. These songs got collected in an ancient playlist that we call the Psalms of Ascent. Scholars differ a little bit as to what the Psalms of Ascent specifically were. A couple ideas. One is that it was sort of like the top 15 Psalms of all time. Possible. But the question is, why is it the Psalms of Ascent? This, literally, the going up songs. So most scholars believe that these were the songs pilgrims sang as they traveled to Jerusalem. As they would travel to Jerusalem two to three times a year, these were the songs that they would all sing, songs you know by heart. They would all sing them together on the trip. It was sort of the road trip song playlist for the Israelites. Now, it's a shame for us that we have lost the musical aspect of psalms because these were not psalms that you read. These weren't sort of like bad English poetry. These were songs you started singing into it and all your neighbors would join along with you. Just like if we were to start singing on the road again. You could all, we could all get through and then we'd get to the verse and we'd be like, on the road again. We could do that. But they knew all the words. They knew them all because these were the songs they sang. So as we go through this series of psalms, road trip, we're going to spend some time trying to sing some of the psalms. Now, I'm going to tell you, 
Some are going to be better than others. They're not all going to be winners. And right now, this morning, you're stuck with me. But Joe's going to come up, and we're going to try to get through Psalm 121. We got the words on the screen. We're going to try to do this here. I live my eyes and see the hills from where will come my aid. My help comes only from the Lord who heaven and earth had made. Second verse. You'll not allow your foot to slip, nor rest while you he keeps. The one preserving his while, his slumbers none not sleeps. The Lord will keep you, he's your shade, the Lord stands at your right. The sun will do no harm to you, nor will the moon at night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll keep your life secure. You're going out and coming in. The Lord keeps evermore. Amen. Right. Well, you can sit down. And they would sing songs, not like that, but they would sing songs as they took a vacation. The opening line of that is one of those classic lines from Scripture, I lift my eyes and I see the hills. Why is it that the psalmist has to lift his eyes? It's because everything he sees as he looks around wears him out. Let's be honest, we've all been there. It's our regular routine and our regular setting that wears us down. It just wears us down. Our regular routine and setting wears us out. That's that first point there in your bulletin. Uh, The psalmist here in the scripture is uh, surrounded by difficult people. Maybe that is something you can sympathize with. Maybe you can sympathize with difficult people and difficult situations and a difficult routine that wears you out. Maybe that's something you struggle with. If so, I hope that you would resonate with the words here in the Psalms. Uh, Right here, Psalm 120. He says, In my distress, I cry to the Lord that he may answer me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I am an alien in Meshech, that I must live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling place among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is the psalmist's scenario. He is surrounded by people that are angry people. He's surrounded by people that are against him, that are actively working to destroy him. He cries out to God in the midst of that daily stress. He says, deliver me, O Lord. Why? Because I need to get away. I need to get away. Maybe you can resonate with the psalmist. Maybe you feel like you live in hostile territory. Maybe your workplace is a hostile work environment. Uh, School is out. Maybe you students have felt like you have been in a hostile situation and you're thinking to yourself, man, I am so eager to have the summer to myself. Where I'm not surrounded by difficult people. You know what's great about this psalm? Is it's incredibly funny. And yet I noticed none of you laughed. 
as I read it. Let's get the setting here for a second. Because this is Psalm number one in the playlist. Where do you start the playlist? In your driveway. What do you do with that first song as you're getting pumped up to go on vacation? You're going to turn it up loud. You're going to turn it up loud and proud. Now, for you, this is great because you've got an air-conditioned car. You've got the sound of the engine. You've got that glass. That whole vehicle is sort of like soundproof. This is not the scenario. These are not air-conditioned donkeys. These are not soundproof caravans. You've got you, all of like your closest friends and family. You're all traveling to Jerusalem with your really loud children. And you're all singing the song together in your driveway as you're pulling out of the cul-de-sac. You're singing it loud. What are you singing? Did you, did you catch what he says? He says, woe is me that I am an alien in Meshach, that I must live among the tents of Kedar. Uh, hear this maybe with a Yiddish accent, really loud. Because you've got neighbors watching you leave. They're not coming. They're the Meshekians. They're the Kedarites. And you are in your driveway going, woe is me. Look what I've got for neighbors. Look who I'm living next door to. Do you see these people? Now, Meshek and Kadar, for those of you that are real familiar with your ancient geography, are nowhere near each other. One's close to the Black Sea. One's close to the south of that Arabian Peninsula. They are not close. These are figurative places. For us today, in modern terminology, you might pick a rough neighborhood. Woe to me that I live in East St. Louis, that I have a tent in East L.A. You know, you tell anybody you're from East St. Louis and nobody's like, man, that's a really nice place. I like to go to East St. Louis. No, nobody likes to go there. We, We feel sorry for people that live there. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I live next to savage people, bloodthirsty people. I want peace. And yet they want to pick a fight. I'm like, hello. And they're like, what do you got against me? This is what I deal with. Woe to me that I live here, that I deal with this. And so the family tunes up song number one in the playlist. And they say, I live next to savages. I want peace. And they want to fight. And then you wave at your neighbor and you smile and you say, hey, keep keep watch over my house. I'll be back in about two weeks. That's what's happening. This is the first song of the going up songs. And it's about what the psalmist needs to get away from. He says, I got to get away from this place. I got to get away from these people. They're wearing me down. So what does the psalmist do? We can skip over to the next song in the playlist. Psalm 121. First four verses here. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, I want to give you a little bit of word of caution. You can't go through the Psalms and assume that every Psalm is connected to the one that precedes it. Because the book of Psalms is in many ways sort of a a random collection of Psalms just sort of put together at different times. Yet in this situation, they have a relationship. These are the Psalms of Ascent. These have a progression to them. And so Psalm 120 starts with this despair of look at who I'm living with. Look where I'm at. Look what I've got to deal with. And so then he says, I lift up my eyes. I lift up my eyes from this situation and I try to get a glimpse of God. We see here a shift in the psalmist's perspective from the daily stress to God's daily grace. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hill. Why? 
Because he's tired of what he sees as he looks around. And let me tell you, church, that's a good advice. When you're tired of what you see, when you're tired of the things you're looking at and the things you're dealing with, taking a break to look up gives you incredible perspective. Because God's grace is continually around you. But you often don't notice it. This God who surrounds us, the psalmist says, is constantly vigilant, is always watching for ways to protect and to bless his children. Now, with our physical eyes, what do we see? We see a difficult situation. We see a difficult work environment. We see hard relationships. We see uh, friendships that have gone sour, people that have turned on us. But when we close our eyes, we see that God is the one who surrounds us. That God is the one who surrounds our enemies, our neighbors. That God surrounds everything. That's what happens. And hopefully in catching just a glimpse of that, that starts to change how we live and how we view life. Notice the psalmist's view is already changing. And I dare say he's barely got out of the cul-de-sac. He's left the tents of Kadar in his rearview mirror. He's looking forward to God. This vacation might only be temporary, but the awareness of God lasts forever. Or at least it should. Let, let's finish out Psalm 121, 5 through 8. Take a peek at this. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon at night. Let's pause for a second. You live in a desert culture and environment like the Israelites do, and you would think the sun is dangerous because, well, it is. It takes people's lives. You get out, you get exposure, and you die. And so they lived in a healthy respect, if not a fear, of the sun. And yet the psalmist says, God protects me during the day. He also says he's my shade at night. Now, most of us don't have fear of moonlight, but the ancient, the ancient world did. They were afraid of, of excessive exposure to moonlight. And we are too, or we were, I should say, not that long ago in our own culture. Listen to the words we have. We have lunatic. That's one who was driven crazy by the moon. We have the phrase moonstruck. One who was driven crazy by the moon. See, this is kind of how we work. This is, this is sort of a fear that's not that far removed from us. But the psalmist is saying, listen, regardless of whether it's day or whether it's night, God is your shade. God is your protector. Uh, verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. You know, it's interesting that the psalmist there in verse 8 says, from this time on and forevermore. Because God has always been our shade. Yet, he didn't notice it. He, he didn't take advantage of it. And when you don't, you, you miss out on it. And so that's sort of the challenge here. Is that we need to pause to notice God's grace and then enjoy it forever. I love going to the uh, Opry Mills Mall around the holiday season when the nut kiosk guy is out. You know who I'm talking to? Some of you are smiling. You're not here. The nut kiosk guy. You know, he's roasting nuts. It smells so good. Like, like three entrances down. Oh, my goodness. It just warms my heart and just feels right to be in the mall at that time. Now, if you're a man and you go to the mills, you've got a mission. You know, we're going to go to this store. We're going to get this and we're going to leave. This store, this, leave. And if you fall behind, you get left behind. That's just how it is. Okay. But there's something about that, that you smell the nut kiosk and like everything's changed. Like we got to take a detour. We've got to go here. Now, I'm too cheap to buy the sack of nuts because it's a little pricey. But I mean, the free sample, I'm a big fan of the free <laughs> sample. I like that. Okay. We got to stop by and get us some of those. 
But, but it's just that whiff. I mean, if you were to do the math, like the smell probably wouldn't even, you know, fit on your fingertip, you know, for the entire mall. But that smell, there's something about those molecules that just go and it just makes you hungry. You weren't hungry before. You didn't want nuts before, but now you smell it. And you're like, man, I'm going to have to have me some of those. And you go, it's just that whiff, that glimpse. And I think in many ways, that's what vacation is about. That's what taking a break. Now, you don't have to travel. You don't have to get airplane tickets. You don't have to go on a road trip. You can do this in your own backyard. But taking a break, pausing to notice God gives us great perspective. The psalmist says from this time on and forevermore, God's going to protect you. But what's funny about that is the psalmist knows that God has always protected them. From the beginning of what we know as time to the present, God had always been there. And yet he had missed it, apparently, up until that point. Why? Because he hadn't taken advantage of it. He hadn't paused and and allowed God to be a present peace in his life. I'll tell you, for me, I, I can give you a great testimony to this. Uh, most of you know I live about 20, 25 minutes out of town. And a lot of people ask me, do you like your drive? And the answer is yes. I love driving. It's great. It's therapeutic. I do not mind spending that time in the car. I like that time because if I use that time wisely, I'm able to come home and be fully present at home. Because I can take those 15, 20 minutes and I can sort of lay it out for God. What's on my mind? What's on my heart? And I can get there in a different state of mind than I left in. Same thing's true coming into town. You drive through that kind of that nice, you know, countryside, and it's beautiful and it's relaxing, and you can spend some time in prayer. Now, I'll tell you, I find if I leave one place going for another with a problem, and I just turn up the radio and I bebop my way into town, when I arrive, a funny thing has happened. That problem got in the car with me, and it has now gotten out of the car with me, and it is now fully present with me wherever I happen to go. Because I didn't take advantage of that time. There's something about... God is always there. It's not that God wasn't there. It wasn't that God didn't show up. It's that I didn't make myself aware of it. I didn't pause to notice God. Now, I don't have to take 20 minutes to sit in silence, although that doesn't bother me. Uh, Five minutes is sometimes all it takes to pause and to notice and to surrender and to give those things to God. And then when you're done, you enjoy God forever after that point in time. It changes the course of your day or, or your hour or your week. All from a moment of pause you take a road trip just in town to the store and you pause to notice god's grace and you can enjoy it forever there's something about interrupting your schedule that does that you can choose to do it yourself by turning off the radio by getting up a little bit earlier, going to bed a little bit later, doing something different on your lunch break, spending some time with god, allowing your schedule to be interrupted and ordered by god so you can take a time of pause Or you can allow it to happen through tragedy. Both are ways that our schedules get interrupted. Sometimes it comes through a car accident or a bad doctor's report. And instead of being gently ushered into the awareness of God, we are jolted there into the awareness of God. Thankfully, we don't have to go through trauma. We don't have to go through tragedy to take a time to pause and to be aware of who God is. And so the challenge this summer as we go through this road trip series, is going to be for us to recapture these psalms as road trip psalms. It would be almost a soundtrack for our summer that we spend the time to pause 
and to listen to what God is saying and doing in our lives. And I have a feeling that if we do that, if we pause to notice God's grace, that we will truly enjoy it forever. And so that's where I want to go this summer. We're going to have the worship team come up. And perhaps some of you have got, uh, God's been speaking to you. Maybe through a moment of pause, you're thinking, you know, I need to respond to that. I need to receive the gift of Christ. I need to make a commitment to the church. We've got two, two great young people going to come this morning, and we're going to baptize them. Uh, perhaps it's something you need, too. Uh, if so, we'll invite you to come forward as we sing this song. Please be standing. <laughs>